beautiful faces this morning and we love you online community we're happy that you are gathering with us at your homes today and we this morning are getting into the Christmas spirit so we're starting out with joy to the world because Jesus is the joy 
of the world, right? So we're just going to go ahead and get right into worship this morning because he is good.
Good morning, everybody. Uh, please have a seat for just a second, because we're still in the season of many announcements. All right, so beginning January 3rd, I have too many things in my hands. Beginning January 3rd, we will be uh, doing our rooted class course experience, whatever you want to call it. Rudy goes over the rhythms of Christian life. Um, it's 10 weeks long. You get together every week, and there's a few experiences uh, mingled in there, like community service, uh, prayer experiences, um, and we do it as a group. So uh, please come speak to me uh, at the information desk after, uh, after service, and I can tell you all about it. Um, yeah. Rooted. If you're looking for a group with other people in this church, that's the one. So, <laughs> um, Also, our Christmas Eve service is going to be at 3 p.m. on Saturday, the 24th of December. So uh, please come in. It's going to be a family service. We're just going to have nursery for two and younger. Other than that, it's going to be all of us getting together, praising God, enjoying the festivities of Christmas. Um, and today, after service, we have our uh, members meeting. So please uh, stay after service, and we're going to go over some business. And, of course, table gatherings. So if you're looking to be in a group at New Life Church with nobody else here but you and your family. No, I'm just kidding. You can do it with other people. <laughs> then uh, there's uh, table gatherings. Information, a guide by Pastor Angelo <laughs> provided for, uh, for you uh, online every week. And it goes over also the rhythms of Rooted. So um, please contact Pastor Angelo. Go to New Life, New Life Astoria Church, newlifeastoria.com. And that is our website. And that's where you'll find the information and how to get hooked up. Okay. I want to thank you for your tithes and offerings. Um, I think it is a great joy to give, and I believe many of you, because we have a roof over our heads, also uh, enjoy that joy, and you rejoice. Choice once more. So uh, I just want to pray over our tithes and offerings. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you for the joy. Thank you that your son despised the, the shame that would come before him, knowing that the joy that came afterwards. Lord, we, you know, if, if I shrink it down and, and think of my bank account that same way, I will despise the pain of, of uh, you know, perhaps the, the temporary pain of giving in expectation of the joy that's to come later. And it's the joy of your kingdom. Lord, we provide these tithes and offerings in the name of Jesus for, for your good work. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please rise. The ways that we give, our mailbox outside, our giving box inside, website in the cloud, in the Church Center app on your phone. Thanks.
God's good, isn't he? Let's pray real quick before we dismiss the kids. Father, I just want to thank you for parents who love you enough to make sure their children know you in the best way possible. Encourage us, Father, to raise our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that we do so in a way that they know that God is good and they can call upon him at any time. And, and he will answer. He will reply. So we just pray that you be with us today, Lord God, that you are honored by every word that is said and every thought that is felt and every decision that is made, that you are the center of that decision. We love you so in Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. adults may sit down, kids, go to class, have a great time. Teens, enjoy. Bye, Pastor Angelo. God is good, isn't he? He's so, so good. I like that it's not just he's good. He is so, so good. Today, the title of what God has given me to speak to you about is called Defeating Low Self-Esteem. But this isn't devoted to psychology or psychiatry. This is devoted to faith. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not, a, I might be a psycho, but. But I just believe this book. I believe what God says. I, I believe it to the point to where I've lived my life according to it and sacrificed everything. Why? Because it's true. So let me start out by saying there's many reasons why we think less of ourselves. Gideon, is, if you read Judges chapter 6, uh, felt his family was too poor for him to be great. And he felt like he was the least likely in his own home to be successful. And I think this is what happens when we compare ourselves to what society says greatness is. Have you ever looked at somebody who was born into a famous family and thought, why couldn't I be born into a famous family? Why couldn't I be a Kardashian? I don't really even know who they are, so just don't mock me for it because I have no idea. Why can't I just be born into a famous family? Greatness is to be wealthy. Have you ever thought of why, why couldn't I have been born into money? Maybe, maybe you were, maybe you were blessed that way, but for the rest of us, I had to wear hand-me-down clothes from five brothers older, or four brothers older than me. Greatness, according to society and that we compare with, is to be better than others. And the truth is, there's some people that we look at, they, we think that they're better than us. And they might be, but we, we compare ourselves to people because they do better things or they're more consistent consistently better than you or we think success comes from great ability like you're successful because you have this great ability that nobody else has like I can do something that nobody else can it's what I've learned about being a pastor there's a lot of guys that can do it better than me but I often compare myself to what others do success comes from my great knowledge so if I just knew more I would be more successful because that's what the the self-help books tell you to do just buy my book, gain my knowledge, and you will be successful. I didn't have a good sales pitch for that one, so. But we look at those things. The, the, the truth is greatness might just be that you had a greater opportunity, not a greater capacity for greatness. I was blessed in that I was 
born into a Christian home. My parents believed in Jesus Christ. My parents brought us to church every week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Not just this every week, every week thing. It was like every week we were in church. And I, I was just blessed by that. And so I didn't do things that other people did because of the way that I was raised. Because I had this great opportunity. The truth is success might be that you were just at the right place at the right time, not the right person. Like you just got lucky. I see that with people. Come on now. Don't you see that with people all the time? They just got lucky. They just fell into something. I mean, I, I was thinking about Phil Knight the other day and, you know, a guy making shoes out of a waffle iron. And now look, at he's worth billions. And it's like, how does that happen? Because who's thinking I'm going to make shoes out of a waffle iron and I'm going to make billions of dollars off of this? Just got lucky. Everybody needed shoes with waffles. If we add to this idea of, of thinking less of ourselves, if we just add the impact of our family, parents who disapprove of us, which is funny because my parents should have disapproved of me, but they didn't. But I, I talk to people almost every week where they're dealing with the issues that my parents don't like me. My parents don't like the choices that I made. My parents don't like the person that I am. And how that makes you feel about yourself when you don't feel like even the people who should love you no matter what, don't. Or siblings and, or even spouses who bully you. Again, being the baby of eight, I turned it on them because they always teased me for being the youngest. And I just still believe that the best is always the last. The last shall be first and the first last. I'm biblical in that. They tried to make me seem like there was something wrong with me, like I should have been, the, like the older brother was better. No, he's just old. But spouses that bully you, it, it's amazing how couples on their wedding day want to love and cherish each other and then they just tear into each other and tear each other down and beat each other up. And, and you feel less of yourself because of the very person who's supposed to be one with you thinks less of you. I, I think about society that rejects us because of our race. I was born a white guy. I didn't have a choice in that. I'm not trying to make fun of anything. I'm just saying I didn't have a choice in that. I am who I am. And maybe some might say that that was uh, lucky or maybe that I had a better opportunity. Maybe, maybe I have, but I didn't choose. That wasn't my choice. That was chosen for me. And I think the same thing of any other race that we look down on and make feel less than. They didn't have a choice whatever race they were born into. No child says, uh, you know, because if I had my choice, I would be full-blown Italian. <laughs> I'd go all the way. I'd move to Italy if I could. Just so I could say that I'm Italian. But when they did that DNA test, they found out we're less Italian than we think. So I'm not taking that test because... I'm going to believe that I'm 25% Italian. And you want to mess with me? I've got some relatives. That is actually the history of my family. They moved out of Italy to get away from the mob. And they moved to Chicago. They're not very smart people. Society rejects us because of weight. 
society rejects us because of the job that we have. And have you ever realized that maybe the job you have is the only job you can do? I mean, I'm just saying that maybe that's just the best you can do. But society says, no, you have to do better. You have to be smarter. You have to get more. You can't just be doing what you're doing. It's got to have something else. So you feel less about yourself because of what you do for a living. And I thought about social media that lies to us. That perfect picture that you see online took 100 takes and 10 filters to get to make you feel jealous of how that person looks. It's not natural. I've watched you guys take picture after picture after picture after picture after picture. (laughs) And then filter and filter and filter over filter over filter. And we're jealous of your filters because you're better at doing filters than we are. That perfect family that you see online was just screaming bloody murder at each other and just smiled in the moment to get the picture done. But you look at their family and say, oh, I wish we could do things like they can do. And it wasn't any fun for them either. I don't know if you've ever been on vacation, parents, with your kids, but it's not fun. (laughs) It's not what the pictures show. The perfect comment that took them an hour to look for online and they stole it from somebody else, but you thought that they came up with it themselves, but it was something they copied from somebody else and made it their own. And you're, you're feeling less than because you can't come up with things like that. No, you're just not searching the right websites. <laughs> Even at times, there's Christian people who are faking their own faith. You look at them, you come to church and you see this family and you think, wow, they've got it all together. They're perfect. I wish I could be like them. I know them. I've counseled them. I've been called in the middle of the night on them by them. I know exactly what's going on, and, I'm, and I've called them. You didn't get that one, but that's okay. We'll skip that. It's no wonder most of us don't feel good about ourselves. There's just between family and society and our own life and social media and even Christian people who look so good. I, I remember when I first started coming to church, I looked at the guys at the door, and they, we used to wear suits back then, so the ushers wore suits. And I think we should start doing that after this week. <laughs> but I, I remember thinking, man, they must be spiritual people because they're standing at a door serving God. And then I got to stand at a door, and I realized that they were just looking for a warm body to open and close a door. <laughs> There's nothing special about me. How we value and perceive ourselves is often based on other people's opinions and beliefs. And we then take those things and we twist them into what we believe and what we have an opinion about ourselves. We start thinking what they're thinking because that's what people are saying about us. But how different would our attitude towards life be, towards ourself be, if we saw our value through the eyes of God and based our value on his opinion and his belief about us. What if we stopped listening to all these other people in our lives, even ourselves, and ask God, what do you think about me? So today we've got three things really quickly. And when I say really quickly, that could be half an hour or an hour. But I want you to hear this first part. When it comes to valuing yourself, God sees what you don't see. I'm going to say that again. God sees what you don't see. Judges chapter 6 and verse 12, the Bible says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Gideon, 
and said to him, The Lord is with you, almighty man of valor. Three verses later in verse 15, he, Gideon, says to, to the angel, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. God saw him as a mighty man of valor. He saw himself as the weakest and the, and the least likely to succeed, which was written in my yearbook. Ba-dum-bum. Where did this value consist? Where did this value that God saw that, he, that Gideon didn't see? Gideon was just a simple man living a very ordinary life, and the angel saw him about his daily duty, just how he lived his life. He saw him as a husband, as a father, as a son, as an employee. If you read the text, and I'm going to tell you over and over again, stay in the text because we're staying there till April. I'm not getting out of it, so you might as well just keep reading it so, so you can make sense of what I'm saying every week. Okay, that was fun. In the text, Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to produce food for, peop- for his people, knowing that the enemy was nearby. Knowing it might cost him his life if he was caught, but his desire to keep his family from starving outweighed his fear of the enemy. I'm going to say that one more time, but I got to read it. His desire to keep his family from starving outweighed the fear of the enemy. That's where God saw him as a mighty man of valor. See, valor means to have courage in the face of difficulty, and God sees that. You can tell a lot about a person by how they respond in difficult times. What's true about you when things get hard? When things get hard, what's true about you? Do you stand up and fight or do you flee? I'm not knocking you if you flee. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But the reality is, do you stand up and fight in the face of difficulty? When things get hard, do you, do you fight for what's good or do you flee out of fear? Do you step up or do you shut down? Now, I believe this, that most of us, at some point in time, we're hardwired to fight when we were attacked by an enemy. When we faced something bad, when we faced something negative, we, we were hardwired to fight. But the more you're in the fight, the more weary you get and the easier it is for you to kind of back down out of the battle. And so it's easier for you to flee than it is to actually fight. I, I think about that with young couples who get married. When they're first married, they have some great fights when they start. But over time, somebody gives in because they're just tired of the fight. And they start feeling like maybe I'm not worthy of a better life, better marriage, better love, more appreciation. Gideon had courage in the face of difficulty. God saw that. God sees when you have courage. God sees when you're just wanting to fight this, whatever this wrong is that's going on in your life. God sees what's happening in you and he's paying attention to that we we think he's focused on the fear i think he's focused on the faith yeah you might be focused on the fear but the reality is god's saying come on believe in me let me let me fight with you we're, we're going to talk about that too valor also means to use wisdom when facing difficulties if you know the story the the enemy was nearby and gideon chose a small hidden wine fre- uh, wine press to thresh wheat instead of the threshing floor which is much bigger and out in the open and so how they would thresh wheat is they would put it on a big hard floor put, put the wheat down on it and they would take it with a pitch pitchfork or whatever and they would throw it up in the air and it would separate the sha- the chaff from the seed 
and the seed would drop down and the chaff would blow in the way in the wind. And so you wanted a big open space, big open area. But when you did that, when you threshed wheat, people could see from a distance, they could see the dust floating in the air so they knew where you were. So he used wisdom, said, if I got to feed my family, I'm going to use a wine press because no one's going to look for wheat in a wine press. That was pretty smart. That's pretty smart. And you know, some of you use some wisdom in how you take care of your families. But all you see is that I can't take care of my family instead of looking at it and saying, hey, I'm finding ways, creative ways to figure out how I'm going to make sure my family does not starve. We can also say as we, as we look at this that Gideon worked hard through the difficulties, harder than he would have had to normally produce some food for his family. See, Getting wheat out of a wine press would be more difficult than if it was out in the open. It would take twice, three, four times as much work to feed your family. But see, you don't see that. You just see that it's what you do. See, God sees what you don't see. He sees you fighting the difficulties of life with faith, not fear. God sees that. I want you to hear me today that this is, this is a message from God himself saying, I see what you're doing. I see your faith. I see, yes, I understand there's some fear. I get that. But I also see that you believe and that you trust and that you're trying to rely on me. He sees you facing the difficulties of life, of finding wise ways to provide for your family. He sees you're not going to let them starve. You're going to figure out a way. And so, I'm just going to say this over and over again. Some of you are doing amazing things in trying to provide for your family. In, in my generation and, and before, most wives stayed home because that's what they did. They stayed home and worked at home. But I had a job that could support that. But if I didn't have a job that could support that, my wife would have no problem. And she hasn't throughout the years going to work to be creative, to make money for, for the family. Because maybe that my job doesn't pay enough to, to support what my family needs for the moment. So you're creative. And some of you guys are amazingly creative in how you... Figure out how to support your family. And God's paying attention to that. He's seeing that you're not just quitting, giving up and letting your family starve. You're figuring out ways to support your family. He sees you working hard through the difficulties. That sometimes it is hard work to take care of your family. Sometimes it's hard work to be a dad. Sometimes it's hard work to be a mom. Sometimes it's hard work to be a, a spouse. Sometimes it's... Got no response from that one. Sometimes it's hard work, and God's paying attention to the fact that maybe you're in a season where you're working harder than you normally have to, and God's watching that. God's seeing whether you're a mighty man of valor or not. God's seeing that you won't quit. He sees your wisdom to be creative. He sees your willingness to work. And I just, I, I, don't, I don't want you to miss it, that God sees what you don't see. You don't see that. As something that God would look at and say, hey, that is a mighty man or a mighty woman of valor. Galatians chapter 6, verses 9, and this is in the context of giving, but the principle is still good. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we, give, if we do not give up. Let us not grow weary of doing good. Let's not get tired of having faith to fight. Let's not get tired of having faith to fight for what's right. Let's not get tired of 
trying to find creative ways to solve the problems in my family, in my life. Let's not get tired of working hard because sometimes difficulty comes and things are hard and it's just, it just, it's like your marriage is harder than it should be. Raising kids is harder than it should be. Going to work is harder than it should be. But God's watching that and he's seeing, are you a mighty man or a woman of valor? Don't quit. He says, you will reap if you faint not. If you do not quit, he promises to bless you. Gideon was not a quitter and God sees that about you. I'm not saying that the Lord doesn't see our weaknesses. Please do not say that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that what I read from the scriptures, I don't think he spends as much time concentrating on them as we do. I don't think he focuses on our failures as much as he does our faith. See, because that's the truth. You see failure. God sees faith. You see failure. God sees faith. You see failure. That's why you don't feel good about yourself because all you see is the failure. God's looking at you and he's saying, come on, have some faith. Trust me. I see what you don't see. I see the goodness in you. Second thing. God knows what you don't know. God knows what you don't know. And you got to understand that when you're going through difficult times, God sees what you don't see. And God knows what you don't know. You think you know what's going to happen tomorrow. You have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Was anyone surprised this week by something that happened the next day that you didn't see coming? You didn't know that was coming. God did. Judges 6.14 says, The Lord turned to him to Gideon and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And Gideon's response is, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is weakest in Manasseh, and I'm least in my father's house. Gideon didn't see valor as a strength to fight the enemy with, but it was, because that's how God saw it. He had, all he had was a willingness to fight, a mind to create, and a willingness to work hard. But he was facing an enemy that the warriors of his own people couldn't defeat. But God knows what you don't know. He knows the outcome of your battle. You don't know tomorrow. God does. God knows what you don't know. He knows how tomorrow's going to work out for you. And the question is, are you going to him at that moment? Or are you trying to figure it out on your own? Are you stressing over what happens tomorrow? Or are you stretching out your faith and saying, I'm just going to pray to God and say, God, you hold tomorrow. I'm just going to hold on to you. I'm going to use the verse... Proverbs 16.33, and just so I don't have to explain it, I'm using the NLT because it explains itself very well. But we may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. Oh, he's talking about gambling. He's talking about casting lots, and I didn't want to get into the explanation of all of that. We may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future. And I hope that's given to the children of Israel. And God has honored that throughout history, that God has blessed the children of Israel. But he's done that with us too. God, God thinks about us in tomorrow. God thinks about what he's got planned for our tomorrow. The question is, do you trust that he knows what you don't know? You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow but you know who does. 
God knew that Gideon was going to get victory. God knew that Gideon was going to win. God knew that Gideon was going to have to face the battle. But God was with him, which is my third point. God makes up for what you don't see and what you don't know. It's a real deep theological sermon this morning. God makes up for what you don't see and what you don't know. Judges chapter 6 and verse 16 says, The Lord said unto him, But I will be with you. But I will be with you. But I will be with you. Which is God's answer to this statement that Gideon said, which is, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is weakest in Manasseh, and I'm least in my father's hand, house. And he says, but I will be with you. I will be with you. I'm going to say that over and over again until you get that in your head. I will be with you. God knows when we face enemies greater than ourselves and we have a willingness to fight and a mind to create and a desire to work hard, that if we combine that attitude with the presence and power of God, there is no enemy we can't defeat, problem we can't solve, or situation, difficulty we can't get through. See, what you don't have, or what you don't think you have, or what you think you lack, or what you think you're messed up, or what you think you're screwed up, if you just go to God, he makes up for what you don't have. Come on now. That's why we need him. If we combine, oh, I just said that. When a man is fully conscious of his own weaknesses and is fully aware of how difficult this situation is, if that man or woman would surrender themselves to God, I believe this with all my heart, we can't lose. Because God isn't a loser. God's never lost a battle. He's not going to lose one. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way and the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. God is a very present help in a time of trouble. I think what makes us winners is as Christians, we have God with us to make up for what we don't have to fight this fight. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, I am with you. Be not, dismayed, I am, be not dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that passage of scripture that what you don't have, what you're lacking, where you feel like you're losing in with God, you don't have to fear. You don't have to be dismayed. He's your God. He'll strengthen you. He'll help you. He'll uphold you with his righteous right hand. I love Psalm 118, 6. The Lord is at my side. I will not fear what man can do to me. I'm not afraid of what people say because God is with me. But the man or woman who relies on their own innate strength is unlikely to draw upon the Lord to seek help. So you'll have to do it on your own. See, it makes sense to be afraid and flee in the face of difficulty if you're on your own. It makes sense that, that things will not work out. It makes sense to quit. But what do you do with this? 1 John 4.4. 4. See, I believe what God was teaching in this moment is, in, in, in this passage of Scripture is, is God's trying to show Gideon his potential through divine enablement. If God enables him, he can win. Look at this, 1 John 4, 4. Little children, 
you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. So any enemy that you face, any difficulty that you're going through, he is greater than anything that you're going through. But do we believe that? 1 John 5, 4. For everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. For everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our strength. Our wisdom. Our power. Our ability. It says our faith. Faith in what? Faith that God can overcome whatever I'm going through, that God is with me, that God is for me, that God's about me, that God loves me. It's my faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? See, that's what I love about salvation. It's not just about me getting out of hell. It's about God indwelling me giving me power to overcome the difficulties of life. Difficulties that I may not see that I can get victory over. Difficulties that I may not know how they're going to work out. But I know this, if he's with me, then I've got no worries. Is he your savior today? Because if he is, what do you've got to fear? Well, you don't understand, Pastor. I'm this and I'm that. I know that, but how does he see you? How does he see you? What is he really seeing in you? Does he see all your faults and failures? I'm not saying he doesn't see them. In Christ, he doesn't see them because Christ covered them with his blood. Amen. I'd like to have somebody in the service, into the service. I got a prayer I want to pray. And I want you to stand with me as we read it. And don't bow your heads and don't close your eyes because you're going to need to read parts of this. This just kind of came to me as I was praying about this sermon and about this moment. God sees what you don't see. God sees the goodness in you too. You know that. God knows what you don't know. He knows how tomorrow's going to work out. And so if he calls you to something, he's going to carry it through with you. And what you can't do, he can do. Why would you do it on your own when you can do it with him and be so much better? So I'm going to read some scripture and then I'm going to stop and we're going to read something together. But when we read it, I want you to pray it to God. I want you to read it as you are speaking to God and saying, this is what I believe. Let me start. Psalm 56 verse 1. Oh God, have mercy on me. Me, my foes attack me all day long. I'm constantly hounded by those who slander me, and there are many that are boldly attacking. And this might not be how your fight looks. This might not be how the difficulty looks that you're going through. But you could say, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm going through a difficult time. I'm facing a difficult enemy. But here's what I want you to read with me, verse three. But when I am afraid. I'll put my trust in you. I'm going to read that one more time. But when I am afraid, I'll put my trust in you. 
But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. Read with me. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Did you get that? I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? They're always twisting what I say. They spend their days plotting to harm me. They come together to spy on me, watching my every step, eager to kill me. Don't let them get away with their wickedness. In your anger, O oh God, bring them down. We don't think that's a nice prayer, but that's a prayer of the Bible. You keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. He's paying attention. Do you get that today? He's paying attention to the difficulties and the trials and the tribulation and the hardness and the, the weariness and the, I'll just be honest, at times it's whining because we're sad and we're broken. My enemies will retreat when I call upon you to, for help. Read this with me. This I know, God is on my side. Do you believe that? I praise God for what he has promised. Yes, I praise the Lord for what he has promised. Read with me. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Could you imagine living your life that way? I trust in God, so why should I be, should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? I'll fulfill my vows to you, O God. I will offer a sacrifice of thanks for your help. For you have rescued me from death. You've kept my feet from slipping. So now I can walk in your presence, O God, in your life-giving light. Just let that scripture soak in for a minute. I'm just going to read the parts that we read together real quickly. But when I'm afraid, I'll put my trust in you. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? This I know, God is on my side. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? You've kept my feet from slipping, so now I walk in your presence, O God, in your life-giving light. When you feel your value waning, I believe what we need to do is what Gideon did. What do you see, God, that I don't see? What do you see that I don't see? What do you know that I don't know? I'm not saying I need to know what's going to happen tomorrow. I just need to know that you know, which is a faith step. And God, how are you going to make up for what I don't see and what I don't know? I need your participation in my life. I need to call upon you. I need to come to you. I need to seek your face diligently. I trust in God, so why should we be afraid? I trust in God who is on my side. God sees the good parts of us. Stop beating yourself down and listening to what everybody else is saying about you and ask God, what good do you see in me that maybe I can't see? 
you know what I'm going to face. And I don't think I have the strength to face it. And I've heard people say it several times that God doesn't give you more than you can handle. That is a lie. God gives you not, doesn't give you enough. God doesn't give you more than you can handle without, with him. I'm sorry, with him. It's with him that you're going to get the victory over things that you can't get victory over on your own. You need God. You need God. You need him in your life. He knows what you're going to face, but he's going to give you some things so you'll face it with him. Because the best way to do life is connected to God. And for all the negative parts of me, all the things that I may be doing wrong, if I just partner with him, he'll make them right. Do you believe that today? The worship team comes up. There's a song they're going to sing. I didn't prep them, so it's a little bit awkward for a moment. But let's bow our heads and pray while they're coming up. Father, it's so easy to listen to what others say about ourselves and even listen to what we say about ourselves and not see what you see. Show us some goodness today. It's easy, Father, for us to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow because we don't know what's going to happen. Help us to put our faith in you that you know what's going to happen tomorrow. And that you're, 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 you might be giving us more than we can handle, but you're going to get victory over it because of your participation in it. And I need you in my life, God. I need you to, to help me with what I'm going through. But if you're helping me, I'm not going to fear what man can do to me. I'm not going to fear what's going to happen. I'm just going to trust that you're there and you're going to give me victory. Because you see what I don't see, you know what I don't know, and you make up for what I don't see and don't know. Encourage my heart to seek your face today. Father, if there is somebody in this room today that Jesus Christ is not their Savior, this message means nothing to them. Because without Christ being their Savior, Father, they'll never have the Spirit of God indwelling them and have that help in a time of need. So they need to decide whether they want to continue on in their sins or surrender their lives to the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. So encourage their hearts to seek the answer to that through the help of us or the phone. I'm kidding, Father. Help us to seek your face today. Jesus, we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Real quick. Real quick. They're going to sing a song, and then I've got a couple more words I want to say, but this is a song that we, we believe is true and will be helpful. So let's sing. gospel still makes the broken whole i believe that the curse of sin was broken when they rolled away that stone i believe i believe i believe and as i bow before you lord i will rise in confidence 
and the blind are gonna see I believe that the gates of hell will tremble when the church begins to sing I believe I believe I believe as I bow before you Lord I will rise in confidence I will see your goodness Lord in the land I'm living in and no matter where I go and no matter where I've been I will see your goodness Lord in the land I'm living in Oh you're good You're good And I believe Sing it to the daughters Oh sing it to the sons generation look at what the Lord has done sing it to the darkness that the light has come sing it to the nations look at what the Lord has done sing it to the daughters oh sing it to the sons to every generation Look at what the Lord has done. Look at what the Lord has done. And as I bow before you, Lord, I will rise in confidence. I will see your goodness, Lord, in the land I'm living in. And no matter where I no matter where I've been, I will see your goodness, Lord, in the land I'm living in. As I bow before you, Lord, I will rise in confidence. I will see your goodness, Lord, in the land I'm living in. And no matter where I go, and no daughters sing it to the sons to every generation look at what the Lord has done sing it to the darkness that the light has come sing it to the nations look at what the Lord has done sing it to the daughters
God's good, isn't he? Uh, We're going to dismiss here for a minute. I need you to get your kids if you're a church member. If you're not sure you're a church member, not just come talk to me afterwards or just come and stay and be a part of what we're going to talk about. Um, This is our annual church business meeting and it needs to be taken care of for business purposes. Um, But I also want to add one more thing. Uh, If you are or know of somebody who's struggling in their marriage with communication, Tuesday night at 6 o'clock, I'm going to hold just kind of a, a pop-up class. I just Something I put together the other day that I thought was really helpful. And so if you're wanting information on that, just, just come 6 o'clock. It should be about an hour. We don't have child care, so you'll have to find child care. Um, if, it, if it's just me, then I'll just talk to myself, and that's okay. But I want to offer something more to encourage you in your heart. So let me pray for you real quick. Father, we love you. Lord, as we are about to take care of... Uh, some business. We just pray that you are honored and glorified in it. I pray, Lord God, that these people leave this place knowing that you see what they don't see, know what they don't know, and make a difference because of who you are and what they see and know. Like, like you are awesome, God, and we love you so much. So we, we just leave this place hopefully honoring you. We love you so in Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless, guys. We'll see you back here in 15 minutes.